Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that you're here this morning, as I am every Sunday. You know, this morning in our Christian Education Hour at 9 o'clock, we're, we just finished up the personalities. And if you do not know your personality, it is something amazing to learn, and it's revelation that will help you in how you uh, communicate with one another. Uh, what I've, I've realized is, you know, the, the title of this series was, I Said This, You Heard That. and as you've gone through this series, you that have gone through, realize how true that is, that we can communicate in a way that we know, but somebody else hears it different. So each of the different personalities were in different locations to this this morning, different locations. And the clerics, which are the stronger, are kind of down in the uh, coffee shop and uh, putting them together, we decided to have the teacher be something different than the group that was meeting there and just so happened that Gloria was leading our group, and she's a melancholy in, in a group of clerics. And uh, so we uh, we kidded her that she was a lion in a den of Daniels. Let me tell you, it is it is a great time of the year as, as seasons are changing and and all the things that go with that and. Uh, we're in a series in, in week seven, and next week is the final week, and my friend Neil Burem is going to come and, and close this series out, and I want to encourage you to, to not miss that. But the, the series that we're in is entitled Start Here, Start Here, and what we've done is we have taken a, a kind of a different perspective than what we've done in the past, and I'm sorry, we're having a short in the light, so if it goes on and off, it kind of... I'm kind of feeling like I need to do a, you know, a presentation. All right, and we're back. All right. So uh, the, the, the title is starting here, and what we're doing is taking a different perspective. Maybe uh, as an adult, you, you have uh, maybe seen some bumps in the road in your faith, and you'd say, you know, uh, I, I, really, I really would like to be... To understand and to have someone explain it to me, you know, the whole thing about Christianity and, and where we are is because a lot of times as, as a person comes to faith as a child, it's different than what maybe the perspective is as an adult. A lot of times as a child, we do have childlike faith, which is important to have, as the Bible says. But as an adult, you come in and you say, you know, let kind of explain all this. And, and as we talked about, the, the starting point of the Christian faith was never intended to be, quote, the Bible says. The Bible didn't come around until 200, roughly 250 years after the actual events that took place. So we've been kind of going through this. And, and this morning, as we've talked about, everything has a starting point, and, and why not our faith? So this morning, the, the title of my sermon is Believe. And, and just as if we were going to use you know, a sermon in a church and we talked to believers, we would talk maybe using the word faith. And I, I could get up here and quote Hebrews chapter 11, you know, faith is being sure of the things we hope for, certain of the things we did not see. And, and we could go a different perspective than that. But, but this morning what we're going to do is we're going to use, just like if we were going to use another translation, we're going to use the word believe where we would use faith. And, and maybe it'll... It'll be something different that you'll see it as, 
as I said, in a different perspective. You know, if you think about it, I believe that faith, or as we're going to say, belief, is the ability to believe the human being, us, the people that can actually fog up a mirror, you know, that are alive, that believing is the most powerful force in human mankind. I mean, think about it. You know, I, I don't know if, you know, as much as I, I think highly of my little dogs, and you know, I don't think they believe for anything, you know? I think they just kind of get up and, where, where, where's the food? And where's the food? And where's the food? Uh, I own some animals and some cows, and I, I think they're the same thing. Where's Where's the water? Where's the food? They don't have the ability to believe for you know what's coming and, and to change things, to believe for something, to have hope for something, and, and then to see it actually come about. You know, throughout the history of man, we see that if man can believe something, they actually can see it, and they see it developed over the course of time. Jesus said this in in the Bible. He said that if you have the ability to believe, you could see mountains move. And some people get all caught up in, you know, literal, did, did he actually mean a, a mountain structure to being moved if we just could believe? But let me tell you, we've all seen mountains of different areas in the world change. And, and you think about the just the area of the mountain of, of medicine. I mean, we're actually getting uh, shots for the flu to keep us from having the flu. I mean, that, that's amazing. Or if, if you didn't know that there is almost, we're almost to the place of eradicating the disease of polio. Uh, we, we were watching something the other day is that the mountain of polio where people would be uh, crippled from child, I mean, just uh, as a child in, in the rest of their life that they would go around on, on crutches or in a wheelchair just because of polio. And we, Gwen and I were watching uh, something on a documentary on Bill Gates and and how their foundation is getting closer and closer to actually seeing polio eradicated on the face of the earth. Would you agree with me that that was a mountain that is moved? You think there's no way that that could happen. But with men and mankind, when there's something that we believe, we can, we can make it a force and we can believe in that until we actually see that mountain move. How about the mountain of technology? You know, it used to be that they say that a whole uh, floor of a skyscraper was a computer that would run now what you actually hold in your hand. You know, you can hold in your hand this thing that you can watch, you know, videos and you can be on, you know, Facebook and see if somebody's riding a scooter. Woohoo! You know, and you can do all these things. You know, the other day I was looking through mine and mine can actually make phone calls too. It's amazing. Technology. Mountain. Mood. Just that area of just amazing. When man, again, believes in something and they push for it and they can see it, they see it happen. You think of all these different things like the mountain of transportation. How many people here today rode your horse to church? Yeah. You know, we used to do that. We used to walk everywhere. We would ride our horse. or You know, they said that really some of the reasons why people dressed up to go to church is because they worked in their overalls all week and they're going to go to town and hitch up the horse and boy, they put on their Sunday best and they would come to church. Well, aren't you glad that we got into our 
air condition or heater car or truck and we drove possibly miles where we wouldn't have probably attended a church that was miles away if we had to hitch maybe the horse or the cow to the wagon and pull us all the way here. But not only do we have a car, but then we can get in a plane and we can fly internationally or even get in a space rocket, huh? And let's go to the moon. Those are mountains of transportation that are impossible until mankind gets in the position of saying, you know what, I believe that this could happen and they put enough energy into it and here we are. Here we are. All of us is a byproduct of somebody believing and being able to build off that generation. Somebody that can come up and say, you know, I have a dream in the mountain of racism and segregation and all that is moved. Things that our, our forefathers in their own time might have said, you know, all those things, all those mountains are too big. There's no way. But now we're a generation that comes into being and we're, we're so better because people had the ability to believe and then for, therefore see things happen. Really, it's, it's just ide- ideologies. I mean, that's a belief system. And it drives the world events that we live in. You know, uh, when you think about it, I mean, in the really the basic sense, our, our country started over an ideology. Just somebody having an idea. Somebody, you know, I don't know if it was Samuel Adams or John Adams or George Washington, one of those guys, because you know what, I, I got an idea. And another person said, well, well, what's the idea? Well, you know, we, we need to create our own country. We could have our own government. And somebody would say, hey, hey, wait, you know what? I believe that too because I believe that we shouldn't have taxation without representation. Let's throw some tea in the harbor, huh? And all of a sudden this idea began to spread and spread and spread until there was a group of people and all of a sudden, boom, we have a nation. God bless America. You know, and you get going. All because somebody had an idea and one idea went to two ideas and then all of a sudden a group of people got together and that idea propelled us to a place where now we are in a country. It wasn't long after that in the 1800s that somebody else had an idea and somebody said, you know what, my idea is better than your idea. Well, what's your idea? I think that we would be better off if we had state rights instead of a federal government, you know. And somebody said, no, we're not. We're not doing that. And there was a conflict. Somebody said, we shouldn't have slavery. He says, well, I'm mad. Well, I'm mad too. Well, I'm getting a gun. I'm getting a gun too. And boom, 800,000 men died. Called the Civil War just because of an idea. Now, think about it. Throughout history, this has happened. Now, I, I know you're mature enough to handle this, but think through this, that even in... 1930s and 40s that one man just with an idea named Adolf Hitler got to the got to the position of having a voice where people could hear him and he began to speak this is what Germany should be this is what Germany could be this is what Germany should be this is what it could be if you just follow me if we do these things everything's going to be right this if Germany could be this then we should be doing this and boom the whole world over ideas and words and a belief system turns into a world war and millions and millions of people die over just an idea. 
the power of beliefs. Again, when we believe something is impossible, we look for a way until we find a way. Have you ever heard of a, the, a you know a company? And sometimes you'll hear this as a kind of in a book, a motivation or something, where a company will hire a group of uh, new hires, and, and what they'll do is they'll give them a problem that everybody in the company knows is already it's unsolvable. But they just do it because you know it's kind of a joke. It's kind of an initiation. And every once in a while, one of those new hires, somebody what? Solves the problem. And they'll bring it and they'll go, no, no, you can't solve that. That's impossible. And, and the reason that they could do it is because they didn't know that it was impossible. They have done study after studies that optimists always outsell their smarter, lesser optimistic counterparts. So if you're in the business of hiring someone for your company, hire always the optimist, even if they don't smart. Because they can see things that other people choose not to see. Maybe you've done this as you've gone to college and you know you're pretty smart because you know, you know, you, you know where you went. And hey. You know, I I've heard people say, you know what, I, I looked at some of those books that my kids are bringing home and I don't even know where what are you studying? Trigonometry. And, and you know what? You've done pretty good. You, you've got a job. You're paying your taxes. You eat and live indoors. Come on. Have you ever experienced this? That, you know, that, that you're doing very good. You've got two cars. You're, you've got a TV. You've got a big screen TV. I'm looking good. I'm not, I'm not just middle class. I'm upper middle class. And then sometimes you run into people that are just like in a whole other hemisphere as far as wealth. And it's because maybe that they, uh, they, they had a, a kind of a dream and a belief and, and they went for it and, and, and now they're like a gazillionaire and, and you know, you know your, your cars are nice, but they have a jet. And you're like, I'll say this because you can't say that, but kind of on the way home after talking with you, they're not that bright. How, how did they get a jet? And it all comes back to, you know, if, if you came up with that idea, chances are you would have said, <laughs> it wouldn't have fooled me, it wouldn't work. You would have talked yourself out of even trying to start it, but the optimist, the person that had enough whatever to put belief into it, all of a sudden began to see the, the wheels Begin to turn and the, the idea became something that was real and could touch and all of a sudden, boom! Their business exploded. And sometimes you look and you say, I, I would have saw that, but I, I just wouldn't believe that. Belief trumps IQ every time. Listen, some of these, you know this, that belief empowers us to try. Or even and when it doesn't work, to try again. You know what I'm talking about? Is this is this microphone on today? You can respond. It, it helps us to try, and it helps us to try again when we fail. And, and there's something about it that gets us to anticipate, and it, it gets us to hope, and believing helps us imagine what things could be. And it helps us create things and improve things. So the number one thing that I want you to write down if you're taking notes is believing is the most powerful force at man's disposal. 
But here's the second thing that I want you to grasp today in this sermon. We constantly look for evidence to support what we believe to be true. Now, let me see that again. Do we have that slide? It's a little delayed today. We Do we have that one? Let me say it again. Number two is we constantly look for evidence to support what we believe to be true. And I, I think this is true for Republicans and Democrats. Uh-huh. Nervous laughter. <laughs> and for liberals and, you know, naturalists and whatever voting you know, track that you're on, it's all of us that we begin to, you know, it might not be consciously, but it's continual in our belief system. We constantly look for evidence to support what we believe. I, I think in our political views, you can see it the best because we can look at that TV station or that TV channel and we're going, oh, come in here, honey. See what I'm, see what I believe? See, see, they're saying it right there. That, that's it. And then all of a sudden we might flip over to another channel and we go, oh, that guy, he don't have a clue. I don't trust that guy. And, and if you're not aware that we are continually doing this, that we're constantly looking for something to, to support what we believe in. Listen to this. When we find a belief to embrace We look for support of what we believe and we filter out what goes against our beliefs. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. Do you know, this is just kind of a side note, but if you want to write down something that will help change your marriage, here's the key to good marriage. Couples that believe the best will see the best. It's the same thing. It's constantly looking for evidence to support what you believe. Because what I found out, even if I'm not careful in my own marriage, can I be? Come on, we're all family here. If I don't watch it, the more years I have in my marriage, the more that I can begin to say, I know why she's late. She don't care about me. You know what I'm talking about, guys? When you're, when you're all the way back here and you're in the first year of your marriage and you're going, well, she's late, but I know there's a good reason. She wouldn't do that on purpose. All the guys are in here going, I'm not saying anything. I'm not even nodding. I'm not even going to blink my eye. And again, let me say it, couples that believe the best see the best. There's something we've always heard that if you can see it or you can believe it if you see it, it let me tell you, it's the same way but opposite. If you can see it, you can believe it, but if you can believe it, you'll see it. If you're taking notes, here's the third point that we're going to get into, religious voices. The third thing about belief is this. Belief is easy to maintain within a community of shared beliefs. Belief is easy to maintain within a community of shared beliefs. 
We look for things to support our belief system in a community and we filter out those things that do not go with our belief system. That, that's why when you go to a, or you hear about another country and you go, what? They're, they're, why would they do, why do they act that way? Come on. And we think of them as kind of crazy or we hear a behavior that they do, uh, that they might do something, you know, they have tea and trumpets and certain, come on, what? It's it's part of that community, that that uh, country. And matter of fact, is people from other countries will go, why are Americans like that? And of course, we because <laughs> we're right. But if you spend time in a different country and you see the perspective out of your eyes, what they've been seeing. All of a sudden you go, you know what, I, I get it. I get why there should be a siesta at certain hours of the day. Anybody in America up for that right there? All right, it's just going. It, it's, it's again, it, when we get in a community of shared beliefs, it's easier to maintain our belief system. You know, it, it's so important to, to realize that we, we have what is called the opposable thumbs. Anybody know what an opposable thumb is? It's that thing right there. You know, we make fun of animals. You can't hold anything. I'm so sorry. But I think, honestly, if we had time to really think about it, we would trade in our opposable thumbs for our belief. Because without being able to believe for something, it would be miserable. There would be no hope to change anything. There would be no hope to be able to do anything outside of what we're doing right now. You can't even imagine it because you've got to have belief to even use imagination. So this morning, we're going to talk about, in our starting point, in just for a few minutes, religious beliefs. And religious belief, here's the big definition. Belief applied to religious beliefs. Deep in it. I went to school for that right there. Every religion, do you know the Jews believe that Abraham was called by God to go to a place that he didn't know? If you get into Islam and the Muslim people believe that uh, Gabriel, an angel, showed up in a, in a cave to be able to give revelation to what was Muhammad, which would become the prophet Muhammad, and, and through that belief system would spread. Christians believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross for our sins and gives us grace. Each one of those come up with this. Believe that. Almost every religion, they'll have something that they'll put together and that'll form a belief system and they'll stand on that. And really when you think about it, this is as honest as I can get. Belief deeply, if you believe deeply enough, and any religious system becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because what you're doing is you're getting yourself in a community that will take on things that support, but filter out the things that they don't. Now, now stick with me on this, because this is where a lot of people go, what? And in this whole mindset of, taking in something and supporting it and saying, this is it. Someone will come in and go, why do we do this? And about 10 people go, the, the, the reason is this, this, this. Okay, 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 I see. Okay, I'm on, I'm on good. And in the community that support, it, it's troublesome 
But at the same time, you, you can say that as, as a community of believers come together on anything, that they begin to, to grow in that belief. So the key is, is here. And then we'll rev it up. The key is don't stop believing. Hold on to the feeling. All right, we'll dismiss and go home. No. What are streetlight people anyway? Anyway. Sorry, I got off track there a little bit. All of you clerics and singers, they love it. No one told you, what is that again? Let, let me just talk a few minutes. It, it, why I'm a Jesus follower. Because see, a lot of people say, well then, if I can just go to any religion, and what they've done is scientists and psychologists have studied that people are more happy that are religious, that people that are in a religion or in a belief system will have better relationships and even live longer. I'm a Christian. This is why I would encourage you to be a Christian. Because at the end of the day, we're going to fight and we're going to, we're going to get all these things about, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? And, and, and a lot of, again, adults that want to become Christians or want to hear, why should I be a believer? Because all these other things are trying, all these other religions are jockeying for me. And let me tell you, a lot of times in high school, Young people will get in high school and they'll go off to college and some professor will try to manipulate it and pull strings and say, you don't know what you believe. Are you ready? If you will just stay connected just a few minutes. And we have an air show going on so it'll blow over every once in a while and rattle the place. The lights might flicker and go off. But in the next few seconds, I believe it will be most could be the most powerful thing in your life if you'll just understand it. And, and it's so simple, I don't even know how I, to communicate it as well as I have in my mind, but here it goes. The, the reason why John Miller is a believer, the reason why out of all those things that I've just said, my foundation for a starting point is this. When Jesus died, those closest to him believed that he was dead. They believed his belief and whom he was got him crucified. Now, now watch this. For three years they followed him around and they heard all these wonderful teachings. They saw miracles take place. But everything that he taught hinged on one thing. And that was he was the son of God. We talked about it in weeks past in this series about either he was a liar or he was crazy, he was a lunatic, or actually he was Lord. Now the moment comes when he is taken captive and everybody flees and everybody's running for their life. And they take him and they crucify him. They lost their faith at the end. Everybody that was a believer, even his mother, the men that said that they would give up their lives for Him now are running because what they actually believed, now they're seeing 
seem to be not true. Now you say, how do I know? John, how do you know? And here's how I know. is because every one of them ran because they thought their life was at stake. That, that's convincing to me. And that should be convincing to you that they believed that what they were a part of was going to cost their life and now it wasn't worth it. Get this phrase. All that Jesus said and did was built and stamped on Him being the Son of God. Now He's dead. Everything that He said, they would say, now are you going to go and take the teachings like they did of uh, Gandhi and, and Muhammad after they died, are you going to go and... No, we can't. We, we, don't, we can't even leave the house. Why? Because all the things that he said are not true. The end. It's over. They could have even thought that they were fools. But even when they came to the place where Peter is, is denying it, he's a coward. Judas has betrayed him. All the disciples have scattered. It's over. Go home. But just a few days later, there's a resurrection that takes place that has never taken place like that. And Jesus comes out of the grave after being dead and all of a sudden, now you have a whole other belief system that has started in Jesus' teaching. Are you following me? Because if you'll take the early church, and really the early church starts on the day of Pentecost, which is just a couple months after the resurrection of Jesus and, and the ascension into heaven. And on that day when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church, get this, if you'll go back and study those sermons of the first, you know, disciples as they're spreading the word of God, really they only have four points. They're not going into the Good Samaritan and the, the Beatitudes and all that. Four points. And, and the first point is, you killed him. You, you know who you are, Frankie. I saw you. Text. You're a coward. You were over I know Peter says I'm a coward too. But you guys were the ones that killed him. They, they knew it. And, and the disciples are there. And the second one was, God raised him. We saw him. Say you're sorry. The end. And the, and the disciples would go around and, and they, would, they would hinge everything what they're doing on I was there and I saw him raised from the dead. You don't, and they're trying to argue all kinds of theology and, you know, all the Roman gods and all that Eastern stuff. And, and Peter would go, no, 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 I don't, I don't care about all that. I want to let you know. I saw him crucified and I saw him come out of the grave. See, the Bible says, is it only the reason why I believe? 
the church was launched because of men who did not just believe. See, see, people have gone to war, given their life for something they believe in, but we're talking about a group of men that actually saw it happen. They were willing to die. Again, not for what they believed, just in what they believed, but what they saw. Wouldn't one disciple falter if it wasn't true? Come on now. Come on. If Peter is going to be scared of a little middle school girl, aren't you one of his disciples? I never knew him, blankety blank, blank, blank. Don't you think that guy would have went when the day came for them to crucify him? Don't, don't you think for just a minute that one of those disciples would have said, wait, just a minute, it was all a hoax. We put it all on. What would it take for James, the brother of Jesus, to become a disciple of Jesus. Come on, what would it take for you to convince your brother that he was the Messiah? What would happen? But here, here, here's James. After the crucifixion and resurrection, he says, I miss it. That's why I believe. And as we talked about in week one, it, it all starts with who is Jesus? A, a, a single event changed how those closest to him answered the question, and it is the resurrection. All the hope that we put in Jesus is true now. All the teachings, the way, the way we live, the way that we walk in love with one another. Let me tell you, that is not normal, is it? And I know that because every once in a while I kind of get out of that normal or that get back into the normal and out of what Jesus has told us to do and that is walk in love. I didn't hear anybody say amen on that one right there. But as we become a disciple of Christ, and we begin to read the teachings of Jesus, we don't, we don't read them like that there's some kind of motivational speech. But it's a belief system that we take on as our starting point of saying, God, you sent your son because that's who he said he was. He died on the cross for our sins because that's what he said he was going to do. And he did it. And God, I, I've chosen to be a follower of you. I've chosen to do the things, the Beatitudes, the Good Samaritan, even the prodigal son is to forgiving those that have done me wrong and bring them back into the family of God. This morning, I don't know where you're at in your faith, in your belief system, but I just want to encourage you to realize what I just said. And when all that fear comes into your life and doubt and unbelief, be saying, God, I know you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you can do in my life. Would you pray with me today? This morning, my hope, and you might not, it's your choice, 
I, I wish I could make the choice for people at times, but let me tell you, the great thing is that God has given us all a free will to make that choice to serve Him, to make Him Lord and Savior of our life, or even to choose something else, if anything. And this morning, I just want to encourage you, as you process the words of this sermon, that you allow it to go deep into your heart, not just because the Bible says, but because men actually saw Jesus. They walked with Him. They saw Him die, and they saw God raise Him from the dead. And on that alone is the very foundation, the elementary starting point of a person's faith in Him. Father, tonight, I thank You so much for allowing us to to meet in this place and to be able to hear God's truth from Your Word. God, I, I thank You for making it so obvious in a world of all the distractions that we come upon, all the things in our life that jockey our time and our, our love for it. But God, to know, to know that we know God is so important in all those times of testing us, all those times of doubt. And Father, just like the disciples, how they fled and, and they deserted you, but God, when they came back and realized what had happened, they were all willing to lay down their lives for you. Father, I just pray today that we would make that decision for you. Father, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing in our lives. In your name I pray. Amen.